You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dermaldi Hyphenate. This time you see my face and some other guests' face, but um, really what this this uh, episode's about is about alcohol and just, you know, drinking because... Um, what else is there to do in quarantine? Why would we be talking about alcohol? <laughs> exactly. So I'm going to introduce my guests. I, one, a very, very, very old dear friend, family, and a new friend. So Tracy Mellon, hi. Eden now, but yeah. You're oh my God. <laughs> I, was, I was at your wedding. You got married. I saw it, but I still can't get, I still can't get Mellon. I'll always be Mellon, but yeah, Tracy Eden, whatever. Both. Tracy Eden. And my new friend, Kate Rockwell. Hi. Hi. How are you I, guys? I giggled a little bit like my very, very, very old friend. And I was like, she looks great. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so many AARP member, but she looks like she just graduated from high school. Tracy Miller. <laughs> Wait, so like how is quarantine for you guys? Like what's going on? How are you feeling? I'll, I'll go. I'll go first. Um, honestly, you know what? The, I think the beginning. So I left my show three days before the world shut down, um, or at least before New York City shut down. And I got to be honest, the first couple of weeks, I was like, "Oh, time!" Like, oh, an excuse to stay home, an excuse to be with my husband, an excuse to like hang out with my dogs, to cook dinner, to like do all the things that I have like been talking about doing for two like two years. And that was fun for two weeks. And then I was like, what the F is going on? Like, I, why have I not seen my friends? Why am I not able to see my family? Like, because I can't go see my parents because they're not, let's just call them not the safe age. Um, yeah. They're not bring chickens. Right. Yeah. No, no, they're older than me. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, when, when it just got very real, very fast. And then I had a couple of weeks of like very serious anxiety and like very serious, like I can't get out of these walls. I can't get out of this house. And then I think it turned normal. And now it's like, I feel like we've like sort of figured out the routine of it. Like I talk to my siblings and my parents on a regular basis. And, um, we have like the, you know, like every other night we have like a zoom date with some friends just to like stay connected. And, that is starting to feel normal, which scares me a little bit. Um, I know. And I all day. And so it doesn't feel like I have a lot of time. I'm like very, I'm actually very fortunate to be busy and working. I'm not performing, but doing something. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting so. that you're talking about the feeling normal. Cause what, uh, when I was talking with my therapist about that and what's really interesting is she doesn't do FaceTimes and I, and we were, and we got to a converse, a part of like, what is going to be normal? And she's like, well, it's, there's a reason why I don't do FaceTimes. And it's because there's studies that have come out that say that FaceTiming actually makes you feel more lonely yeah, then, I get that. Which is then the talking on the phone. And it's really interesting because I think it's as an empath for me personally, um, I, uh, one of my ways of communication is actually getting energy from you. And that's how I can. And if I can't feel it because you're in a computer screen, it's very jarring for me personally. We, we've talked a lot about that. My husband and I, but also my, my other friends, because I think, performers a lot of performers are empaths that's why yeah. especially live performance i mean there's a reason that i migrated towards that and not towards tv film where i could actually make money and buy a nice house um <laughs> because, because there is something vital to me about being in the room with people and that's i think that's what's scary about it to me is that i go like i'm starting to forget how important that is like it's not that i'm not it's not that i'm getting it somewhere else it's just that i'm like normalizing the not ever having it normalizing the feeling of being physically isolated i'm so lucky i do have my husband yeah and so we are together and we have two dogs and um we, we at least like have there's like living beings around <laughs> that, like, yeah. physical. but it's not this it's not the same and it doesn't it doesn't heal the way that being in the same room with somebody no, does. absolutely it's great because i mean from my point of it like i'm a bar manager in midtown where all of our, 
It's called American Whiskey. It's around the corner from Madison Square Garden. So all of our customers, for the most part, are based around things happening at the garden or travel yeah. from Penn Station. So for us to be doing like to go or any of that where we've never needed to implement that before, we were just like, we'd rather have everybody stay safe and sound. So I've just been creating video content for Empress mainly because I'm their New York brand ambassador. But on top of that, just doing cocktail competitions to keep me creative. Because as performers that we're based as, all we want to do is create. And that's why I transitioned from doing musical theater into something that... I can still stay creative, but no, I'm going to, like when my husband proposed to me, I was like, I don't know if I can travel anymore. I want to like plan a wedding and I love creating cocktails. So I just kind of skyrocket in, into knowledge of whiskeys and knowledge of creating drinks and just kind of gone from there. But with this new normal, it is so weird because mm-hmm. we just want to be like, I want to hug everyone. And we, yeah. and I hate that, but yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's adapting. There's it's such a roller coaster of emotions, especially performers like we are. That it's like we just and yeah, it, yeah. It's not easy, but we're doing it. The reason why I brought you guys on is because you both are uh, are artists that have different relationships with alcohol, <laughs> and um, <laughs> I love that you phrase it that way. I do have a different relationship. With I alcohol. have a different relationship with alcohol too. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, I, I really wanted to uh, kind of bring two different worlds and talk about that. Kate, you're a sommelier. Yes, I shy away from using the word. Oh, really? Because sorry. Yes, and no, no, no. That's okay. I, it's actually like the easiest way to describe okay. it because there's kind of no other way to. There's like not a word that like doesn't sound super douchey to call being trained in wine something I like do not call me wine expert that's not that is a thing and I'm not that but it's technically a sommelier is actually somebody who who runs a wine program in a restaurant uh, I don't work in a restaurant so I'm not a sommelier but I am trained I, have a, I, have a, I know yeah. I have a certification in, in wine and I, I know quite a bit about wine and I I, I love you have a BFA in wine drink. I love wine um <laughs> I love wine. Um, I have a BFA in wine, but I'm not technically a sommelier because that is actually a job title and I don't have that job. So I I don't, I don't have the qualifications to say that. But that being said, you actually don't have to have training to be a sommelier. You just have to have the position. So you're just, you're just a cool person that like was like, if I'm going to do this, then I want to like do it and know about it. I'm a a professional wino. You know, if there was a diet that I could create, I think it's to be a vegan. It's drinking wine and eating pizza, and I would yes. all. I would sign up for that right now. Send me some down the Let's go. Yeah. Wait. What are your What are your favorite pizza joints in the city? Because I have one very very specific one in Manhattan or New York City. Because I have different answers. Mm. Uh, do Manhattan. Manhattan. Um, oh, that's hard. There's one that's, uh, I really like not too far from me. Mama's Chew. It's on 106th and Broadway. It's actually the first one that got a, some kind of write up in the New York times, like in the bar room for a pizza joint. And it's the closest that I can find to in Queens, my favorite, my hometown, Howard beach, uh, far out there in Queens, uh, new park is a staple. And then also my husband turned me on to the fair in Brooklyn. It is mm-hmm. worth the wait so much. It was, mm, mm, mm. I'm obsessed with that. And Kate, what about you? Oh gosh, I have, so, I have a couple that come to mind. Um, I love Marta downtown. Okay. Um, it's great pizza. I love, so I live in mid, I mean, I don't live in midtown. I live up in Washington Heights. Um, but I worked in Midtown for so long. And so I actually really like B-Side. Yeah. I think they make that, that, um, what do they call it? The killer bee pizza is like, with like honey and so good. And then, um, I really, this is a, this is going to be a curveball because I am a Manhattan pizza girl, but I really like Emily. You ever had Emily's pizza? Emily's Detroit style pizza, but it's in New York. So it's like New York and uh, there's a couple in Brooklyn. There's a couple of West Village, Lower East Side, Upper East Side. 
um, they've really kind of blown up and they have like Emmy and Emmy squared, Emily, Emmy squared. And I think they're all called those two things. I think. That's amazing. Um, but they, they do a Detroit style pizza that is too, it's like really bougie pizza hut pizza. Like oh. the good version of pizza hut so- pizza. <laughs> It's so good. <laughs> I have, um, my my place that I love is Jumbo Cafe. It's on 147th and Broadway. And it's like a hole in the wall. You walk past it. You don't even know that they're like a pizza joint. But that's, I think, what makes it amazing. I brought, you know, my dad was known as the rat. He was born in 54 out in Long Island. And he was known as the rat, like in the schoolyard, you know. So he knows his pizza. And, um... I took him there and he was like, this is good. <laughs> you know, he was like, this is good. Wait, this is- what's it called? Jumbo what? Jumbo, J-U-M-B-O cafe. And it's like, Jumbo cafe? and it's, it's like big ass pizzas and really good. Yeah. See that? I mean that. I love a big, I want a big slice of pizza. Don't bother me with those little skinny slices. I got no time for that. Got no time for that. So how have you guys, how have you guys found in your, um, cause I feel, uh, I feel like both of you, um, uh, you know, in like acting how there's the choice to either work from the outside in or the inside out. I feel like both of you have that with your, um, careers. And I want to talk about that for a second. Cause you know, this is Dear Multi-Hyphenate and this is about artists in the uh, theater community that do multiple things um, to influence the other. So how has your experience been in the industry having these things that you, um, I don't want to say rely on, but things that um, you enjoy and kind of elevate your artistry? Yeah. Um, I guess I'll go first. I, I kind of went from being a performer as I said, mm-hmm. and then wanting to more focus on the cocktail world. So I've kind of turned a little bit away from the auditions and all of that because I wanted something with a little bit more stability. And But the main thing that I'm very thankful for now within changing my career from like hardline going for um, theater jobs and doing more cocktail and working in bars is that there are so many similarities in that mm-hmm. there, like the one thing you were saying, like in being live and present, like it's a visceral experience that you're giving people an enjoyable experience and you want, yeah. that is something that I think as performers, we are passionate about doing. So even if I'm on stage or I'm behind the bar, I'm still giving people that, and yeah, a little bit of alcohol <laughs> influenced in it. It makes it even more joyous. Um, but like, let's be clear, there's alcohol in performing too. So it's not like that's that different. <laughs> but for me, you know, like having my performing background, it really, when it came to doing those cocktail competitions, I literally had like the leg up above people because I wasn't afraid to explain my cocktail to people and then know my blocking and what my choreography is of pouring the drink. Like I wasn't having to think so much of like, I need to create a monologue, which a lot of people in my industry feel like they need to do to feel confident and respect right. over and over and over. For me, it's like, I have my key points of what I'm going to do, what I'm going to say, and I'm then myself. So that's something that's been really enjoyable for me to take my acting experience and be able to transition it into still something creative, but totally different. It's amazing, Tracy, because you've, I know you as a performer, but you've also been such a personality. You've, you are kind of a leading example of when I talk about do what you know, and no one can come for you because you, I actually do photography because of you. You You documented everything. Yeah, Kate, Tracy documented everything in our summer you've said this to me before and you've made me cry so if you do this right now but whatever it's fine go um so we uh you would take photos of everything and that made me love photography and and it, it they always had such a story behind it and they would document everything and that's what you do tracy everything that you do has a story attached to it and you're such a personality you just you have such an orbit about you that people love and i could see like this really being something that you're taking your creativity and what you know in your past 
and putting it on the macro level, which is now paying your bills and getting you well known and, you know, creating all those partnerships. And that's, that's what, to me, this industry is all about. It's just acting on what you know and making money off of it. (laughs) Trying trying to make money off of it. Trying, trying, trying. But a lot of it's the interacting with people. That's something that we met, what, 2007? Osebs, baby. Whatevs, Osebs. When we Whatevs met, Osebs. it was like an instant <laughs> connection. We just became bosom buddies. Yeah. And that's what we thrive on. It's being able to match those energies and find people that you can just relate to. And when in the theater industry, there's so many people that just want to find that. And and then when you find it, it's just like, hey. So when I'm in the bar, it's like, oh, I know what I can make you to drink and having that confidence of like, okay, so this is the base spirit you like. If Are you in like a, I want to sip this fast or like a slow boozy thing? And you can ha- make interactions and get to know people through the drinks that they want to order. So it's all about that communication. And, bar- and also the, the way that bartenders uh, are and mixologists are presented on 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 film and TV and the stage, it's like, I want my, I want the person that's going to be making my drink to be my friend. I want that person to, I want to be able to be like, we're hey, a, we're therapists. Yeah. Yes, you are. You yes, can't you escape from your, your cage of your bar and you can cry to me, but we can laugh it out. I can give you all the advice on all these people you're talking about that I have no idea who they are. And then you'll go on your merry way. But that's what brings people back to certain bars. A lot of times it's not the drinks. Like I'll go to certain bars that might not be the classiest or make the best cocktail, but I will have a bottled beer and keep going back for that bottled beer because of the experience I have from that bartender. We love that. Absolutely. So, Kate, Kate, I don't remember the question I asked, but what do you have to say? <laughs> you have too many drinks. <laughs> I'm sober. I'm not about to be. But I'm so- <laughs> um, well, I so for me, I sort of fell into wine. I um, I had had just finished my run in Rock of Ages. I'd been doing mm-hmm. Rock of Ages for a year, a little, just shy of a year and a half, which was followed literally two days in between um, a year and four months doing bring it on on the road and straight into the Broadway run. And I was very, very tired. And I was working on this. Um, I had just gotten married. I'd left rock of ages so that I could like spend time on my wedding and wanting to like plan a priority with my husband and pasta on my honeymoon. Cause those costumes, if you saw rock of ages, there was no spaghetti in my life for a very long time. And um, I just got back and I was, you know, married and, and working on this, this new show that, um, shower my nameless and I was so unhappy and I was so tired and I, my body was tired and my heart was tired. I had, I just didn't feel like I had anything else to give. And I call, I call those people who are doing their like amazing Broadway show jobs and they're miserable. I call it the golden handcuffs where it's like, Oh, it's so hard going to my Broadway show. And I, I caught myself doing, doing that and working on this new show. It was a lab. It wasn't going to Broadway in that moment, but it was a, a you know, a five week lab and, I was so like, un- I'm not grateful to be there. And uh, I caught it and I was like, wow, it is time to go. You got to go like this. You cannot be that person. You said you would never be that person. If you can't be grateful for this, somebody else will be grateful for this and you need to go get out. And so I did, I finished the lab. And um, when they moved on to the out of town of the show, I did, I turned down the role, um, which is one of the scariest wow. things I have ever done. And uh, so I I suddenly found myself very unemployed and I met a friend of a friend at a party who ran a wine shop in the Lower East Side and I liked wine. I didn't know Jack about it, but other than I liked it and my husband and I like to go to Long Island and, and travel through wine country out there just because it's, it's very accessible out there. and it's yeah. so beautiful. It's so stunning out there and they actually it's make really some wine. certain places make excellent wine. Um, and so I sort of got into a conversation with this guy and we talked about wine for an hour. And then the next night at a different party, we ended up at the same party again, again, right? Like fate. And, uh, we talked another hour about wine at the end of the night. He was like, listen, like if you ever like want a part-time job and you want to like work in the shop, come on down and I'll hire you. And I was like, absolutely. So I started working Friday and Saturday nights, just like pushing buttons on the register. I didn't know anything about anything. And I fell in love with it. And it just so happens 
that the wine shop that I ended up at is sort of one of, it, not sort of, it is one of the premier natural wine shops oh, wow. in New York City. It's called Which Discovery. It? And it's on oh, Discovery Wines. It's, it's down on 2nd and B. Um, it is very far away from my house. <laughs> but I, I ended up falling into one of the most fascinating kind of, it's not a niche market anymore. It's now really climbing this, this niche world of natural wine, which is wine made with very low intervention, um, sometimes no intervention. Um, it is low chemical, low additive. Um, there's a, there's actually a lot of things that go into the, the commercial wine, big commercial wine. Think like your yellowtail or your Gato Negro, those like inexpensive commercial wines. Um, that is highly toxic, actually. Um, very, very toxic. Actually, there's a there's a lot of wine that uh, has levels of arsenic that in the UK they are not allowed to sell it because there's so much arsenic in it. It's considered dangerous, yeah. and we still sell it in the US. Yeah. So, I uh huh. I sort of fell into this very tiny little corner of the world of wine, and I got I became obsessed. I was because I'm a I'm I'm by no means like a vegan anything, but I'm I'm pretty organic passionate I don't eat a lot of meats um, I like to buy local and, and cook my own food and the natural wine world is very good for that and I so I, I stopped auditioning and I worked there um, first as part-time and then I started going to the um, w, I got my WSET degree which is the wine and spirits education trust um, it's a school think of it like a trade school in um, alcohol in New York. And so I did um, an intermediate degree and then I followed that with an advanced degree. And then I took a, a full-time position at the wine shop actually for about nine months as the assistant manager of the shop. And I started helping with buying and I started helping with um, some of the more of the back end stuff. And I did that for, I guess I did that for about nine months when I started to feel like the acting itch come back. And that's sort of when I, I started auditioning again and I, I transitioned back into theater. And that was about a year before Mean Girls happened for me. Um, but while I was there, I, I became so obsessed with the artistry of wine because natural wine, when it's not, uh, when it's not considered like a, a, a product that needs to be replicated regularly. So like Gato Negro, they really want every single bottle of Gato Negro to taste the same. Right. Um, in natural wine, we don't care about that. We don't want that. We're not, we're not seeking that. We want high quality wine. We want it to check off sort of other things, but the number one thing we want it to be is unique. Um, and we want it to be of the season that it was picked. We want it to be of the winemaker that made it. Um, of the, uh, the the master of the vineyards, whoever grew the grapes, we want that person's kind of stake to be in there. Um, and we wanted to have this word, this is a French word called terroir, which is basically like of the region. We want it to taste like where it came from. And so when you get into wine, that it hasn't been beat to high heaven with chemicals and coloring and additive and arsenic and, well, you know, all the terrifying things that they put in wine sometimes. Um, it really is every single bottle is different. And if you drink it now versus if you drink it in six months, they taste different. And if you drink it after it's been traveling versus if you drink it after it's been sitting in a cellar for six months, it tastes different. Um, and that reminded me so much of musical theater, which is live theater. Every show is different no matter what, like no matter how much I try, I am a human being and I am different every day. And therefore my performance is slightly different every day. So every show you see, is it is the only time it will ever be like that and wine in, in in this context was like that and um the other thing that really took me was the community wine is wine is about community wine is about sharing with people um i found the people in the wine industry to be some of the most generous people i have ever met they will pop bottles on things that they have been holding on to for 25 years bottles that wow. you can find just so that wow. they can share the experience of that moment and that bottle with the people around them. That is exactly like theater people. That is exactly what we do. It's just that the details are different. And so I developed such a love for it and such a passion. And then when I sort of started coming back into theater, I realized like the, the, the number one thing about this that I loved was that, you know, natural wine is like a food. It's a, it's a whole food and it actually does serve a, a, a nutritional purpose, if not just for the soul, but it's actually not going to harm you. Um, I came back to the theater world where everybody was like organic, working out, super healthy, uh, organic cotton clothes, and drinking two buck chalk. And I was like, y'all, 
you can't be all healthy. I take care of my body. My body's my instrument and then drink poison every day. So my new like platform has been to teach people about the kind of wines that won't kill you <laughs> if so, you drink it. Okay. Listen, I have drank my fair share of two buck chuck, honey. We're all going together. I, I just, the arsenic, is that listed as an ingredient? No. They are not required in the alcohol industry to list ingredients. Yeah. Wood chips, coloring, sugar, alcohol, um, preservatives, arsenic, formaldehyde. There was a there's a very famous um, boxed wine company that was pulled off the shelves a couple years ago because their formaldehyde levels were so high that they that even the FDA pulled them. Like, it's not. Don't drink for buying wine. We're asking you before we buy it. I true. Please do. I love that yeah. job. That's like my favorite part about this. Like it's like the that one, one thing like being home that has kept me also like kind of feeling not as stir crazy. All my friends keep messaging me, being like, "Okay, so I have this and this and this and this." I'm like, "Just take a picture of your bar, whatever you have, and I will figure out cocktails for you." And then I have a very big back bar so i'm like i'll we'll video chat and i will make the the cocktail with you so i, I was gonna ask you i want like five of your like go-to whiskeys oh yeah okay well oh. one thing before i say those I love that i love what you just said kate about the whole thing of being like their own unique thing it's so relatable to the whiskey world especially american whiskeys because yeah to be a bourbon and a rye, one thing people don't understand about uh, whiskey specifically is that if you're a bourbon, you are a whiskey, but a whiskey is not always a bourbon or a rye. It's a square rectangle thing where you're like, exactly. one can be one, so bourbon is a kind of whiskey. Yeah. It has to have at least 51% corn in it um, as the, in the mash bill. And most times then the second one is rye or it could be wheat. Um, and then there's normally a malted uh, product to adhere to the yeast, to then ferment and become alcohol. That's like the mini wow. version of it. Um, but when it comes to single barrels, there's small batch, which, you know, is around a hundred barrels that are then blended to taste the same. But single barrels are just from that one barrel. So it's so similar. And there's so many rules. And yeah, wildly exactly. Different. And then you can't add coloring to it. You can't. It is what it is out of the barrel and wow. has to be aged for at least two years. Um, and if it's under four years, it has to be stayed on the bottle. There's all these rules similar with tequila as well. When it comes to reposados, añejos. It's, why don't I like tequila? Why do you like tequila? Why don't I like tequila? Why don't you, um, hangover? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. know. It could be, I, I mean, it's agave based. So a lot of the times when people like talk about whiskey or I want to teach people about whiskey and my whiskey trainings is I say related to bread, because think of rye bread and how dry and spicy it is. Think of cornbread and how much sweeter it is. If you're putting it into that kind of context, think of those things like agave, maybe agave is not really your thing. And that being fermented and turning into alcohol, that's not for your, like your personal palate. Yeah. Yeah. It is a cactus. Yeah. It's not for everybody. It's literally a cactus. That's what tequila That's is made crazy. from. It's a cactus. But I like oh, five whiskey. Now place. I'm trying to think. You're putting me on the spot, but um, no, it's okay. It's just no, something I, that I was going to text you about and see if you. Um, now, are you wanting to ask of like what I just want to sip on its own, or like things to use in a cocktail that are like affordable but good? Things that I would like literally if I was going to have like an intense conversation and pour myself a. A little whiskey and just like sip it. This be like um, so when you uh, came through that door. Did you think about you know what I mean? Just like did you think about taking but, your uh, shoes off at the door, honey? The whiskey is making really good conversation. <laughs> he wants the whiskey that's going to yeah, make yes, him a really yes, good yes, conversation. Whisk proof. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. There's like locally, um, one of my favorites is Widow Jane. That's uh, right in Red Hook. Their tenure is really, really amazing and good quality stuff. And they actually have a rye that I believe has applewood chips uh, then aged in it. That is unbelievable. And you know, local, ooh, yay. Um, a single barrel I love is Evan Williams single barrel. Like the Evan Williams cool. black um, label, 
I always have as my well at American Whiskey. If someone wants a bourbon cocktail, that's, you know, a house spirit. But their single barrel is always consistently delicious. Um, another, trying to think, uh, oh, Few. That's one that's not as common. They're rye. It's won many awards. Uh, they're actually right outside of Chicago in Evanston. Um, yeah. And... Paul, who's the founder of it, he just, it's, it was a passion project for him. He was like, I don't care how much money I make, I want to make good whiskey. And, and going to the distiller, I had met him originally in American Whiskey and then went to visit Kenny and we all went, me him, and Andrew went. And it's, it's just so cool to see people that are succeeding because they're passionate in it. And lucky to see that a lot in all these industries. So that's a really good one. Um, if you want expensive, like I want to celebrate something, my yeah, of course. watch, which it's like not cheap. It's probably in like the high two, $300 range. Melvenny uh -huh. 21, their scotch is a portwood. They actually made a Madeira as well, which is really good. But their portwood is like, don't even like favorite scotch. That's it. It's so, so the two of you, what would you say in regards to alcohol and wine? What would you say is like, when would I drink something specific? Like, when would I bring out the Cab Sav versus the Riesling? I mean, I can answer that, but like, more, more, you know, more. I agree with the fact that you know that those are different wines. So, frankly, yeah, I'm really, because, I'm really happy. Yeah, I learned to drink in college, which is not a great place to drink. For most of us. You know? Not if you want to, not if you want to actually right. Right. enjoy the process. Enjoying the process, it's very different right, than enjoying the exactly. results. Exactly, <laughs> and like you know, it's it's not. Uh, I didn't even know about anything regarding alcohol, and there were people that my, my friends that came to to Ithaca to my school, and they would know stuff about because their parents drank. My parents don't really drink. We didn't really have a liquor thing. We had Manischewitz in the fridge, but that's okay. about it. Lachan. <laughs> <laughs> Lachaim, baby. And so, uh, you know, that's kind of it. And I didn't really know. And next thing you know, I'm like taking shots of like, um, of, uh, of, of, of the really, really, really bad stuff that tastes like gasoline and it's, you know, bottom shelf. Mm -hmm. And so when, if you guys can pick for me like two different alcohols and, and wines and talk to me about like when I would drink that stuff and why I would drink that. I don't know who wants to go first. Okay, go. I would say, I mean, one of the things that I feel I feel pretty strongly about is that there's actually there used to be a lot of rules about drinking wine and how you drink it, when you drink it, what like you drink wearing it with, white after stuff. Labor Day or something, and, right? Exactly, exactly. The wine, the wine version of wearing white after Labor Day was like you only drink Cab Sav when you eat a steak, or like um, if you're gonna have a uh, if you're gonna have oysters, you have to drink Muscadet, which is like a French white that comes out of the Loire Valley. Um, so there used to be a lot of like pairing rules about alcohol and or about wine in general and like champagne is only for special uh -huh. occasions like that kind of stuff and i hate that yeah. i hate i hate rules in general um i think mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons i like natural wine is that it tends to sort of tell the rules to you know shove it um and i so i i feel pretty passionately about blowing those rules out of the water meaning like every day is a, frankly right now in quarantine every surviving a day mm -hmm. is a special occasion if you didn't like burst into tears and if you did burst into tears, that means you need something to make it feel like a special occasion. So like champagne on a Thursday, I'm like all for, um, I do think that purely like ex in terms of the experience, I think lighter style wines, meaning, um, your, your brighter, more acidic reds, like, um, a Cab Franc or a Gamay, um, or even something like, a Mencia from, from Spain, um, they tend to do better in the summer. A heavy, high alcohol, very saturated Cab Sav, like a, a very kind of traditional California Cab Sav or a Bordeaux, those like big, big, big wines. They're higher in alcohol. They're higher in tannin. Um, those for me feel more like mm -hmm. cold, rainy wine day, wine. winter wines. Um, yeah, like wines that have a little more texture, um, or have a little more alcohol, I go like, great, save that for like the fall, the winter, January. And wines that are like maybe a little lighter in style, either not that it has to be red. Like, there are a lot of light reds that are awesome in the summer. Um, that tends to be the mm -hmm. one thing that I do stick with, um, purely because I think the experience is just a little bit better. And, and 
you know, social drinking is something that happens more in the, the wine world. It's incredibly social. Um, the outdoor summer wines, like we, you know, like we call them the glue glues or the chuggables or whatever chuggables. are low alcohol, low tannin. Yeah. Like meaning like uh -huh. you can kind of just sip it and forget it as opposed to like a big meaty Malbec where you're like, wow, every mouthful of this wine is like a meal would be better if it's cold outside and you're like trying to stay warm, like those kind of things. But yeah. even those rules are meant to be broken. Well, I've noticed like I will have a red wine and, and I'll be like, you know, hot. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, and then, and of course, you know, the white wine yeah. that's waiting for me after this is over is um, it's going to just be nice and relaxing and, carry me on through the night. Uh, so, yeah. And listen, like don't spend $60 right. on a bottle you're not going to pay attention to. Right. Like then I, I mean, I don't, I don't really believe there's like wine under $10 that you should be putting in your body. Um, I have yet to find a wine under $10 you should be putting, at least in New York city, that you should be putting in your body. Talk to me in France. It's very different. Um, but like the $15 bottle, the $20 bottle, that's like the casual stuff and like save the big 40, 50, $60 bottles. If you're buying them, save those for the first glass. First of all, not the sec, not the second or third, right. have the expensive yeah. wine first because the best. Yeah. your palate will be cleaner. It won't be fatigued, but then also like you'll remember it more. And isn't that part of the experience is you want to remember the, the experience of each bottle of wine, particularly if it's going to be the, the only time yeah. you get it because every bottle I'm is obsessed with that. <laughs> but then like follow it up with yeah. the, the $15 bottle and the yeah. Tracy, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like thinking about this and like how like my relationship with like wine is going to change and like, things I'm like, this is like actually making me very excited. I've been very excited about wine and liquor for a different reason, but like, this is making me very excited for it for like the good reason. You know what I mean? But shouldn't it be like, it should, we should be conscious about experiencing these things because they, A, they do take an incredible amount of work to create, to create a bottle of whiskey. There are so many people, there are years and years of people's time and effort and money. Like, we want to pay attention to that. We want to experience it and not just like put it down and not know what we're doing. Just the same way that we would that we now are so passionate about experiencing our food and knowing what your food tastes like yeah. and not just like shoving yeah. it in your face and letting it kind of go by. Like so it's, it's part of the experience and it's one of the most wonderful things about um, the, the food and wine culture and, and it kind of having this resurrection of like, no, no, yeah. less is more. Pay attention to it doesn't. It doesn't have to be about moderation if it does, if you don't want it to be. But you should at least enjoy it. And after quarantine, we're gonna, we're gonna be really focusing on the less is more because we're living it now. Yeah. Uh, unless we, unless we go like no. wretched excess and like go opposite on the spectrum and it's like I've been inside all you know for three months. Like I need everything, so I don't know what we're gonna experience, but. But it's going to be those, I think it's going to be those things that though, that you're like, I have been thinking right. about this. Why have you been thinking about it? Is it because right. of the people that you met? I mean, that's such a big thing. What Tracy was saying about like, I went, I go to this bar because of the people and the environment and the cocktail, not just the cocktail. Right. But like for me, like the things that I'm thinking about food wise or wine wise, I'm like, I cannot wait to get Marta's one of them because they have an incredible wine list and the pizza's good. And I want <laughs> that right now. You know, I don't want to like right. shove, shove, shove. I want to go make sure every is something that I can mm -hmm. see. Two places, three places for me, actually. Three places that I cannot wait to get back to are Sardis. I love Sardis. Two, lo I love Sardis. I feel like I'm in, like, because I'm a huge, I'm not a contemporary person. I'm like very um, old school in a lot of different ways. And every time I walk into Sardis, I feel like I'm at home um, and I feel very comfortable. Yeah. So Sardis, um, Glasshouse Tavern, and and um, Harlem Public. Yeah, Harlem Public. Oh, and oh, also yeah. there's the Honeywell, which is right next to yeah. Harlem Public. And that's a 1970s-themed speakeasy yeah. that I'm dead over. It's so um, Tracy, do you want to lead us through this cocktail? Yeah, sure. Actually, funny enough that you brought up Harlem Public, they have a cocktail on there called Harlem 75, which is a French 75 with Empress, which we're doing a spin on right now. So first way, Mikey. Same way. <laughs> I don't know so, what that yeah. is. So first, just to talk a little bit about Empress Gin. Uh, it is a 
fully natural, organic, all the things that we were talking about, it fits all that criteria. There's organic botanicals in it. It's made at the Victoria Distillery in British Columbia, Canada. Yes. Um, and one of the ingredients is butterfly pea blossoms. Now, butterfly pea blossom, it's a kind of flower indigenous to Thailand that we pre-distillation uh, put all the... Um, all the botanicals in it to get the flavor, but then post distillation, because it's clear, we then have the butterfly pea blossom sit in it for about three hours or so, like it's tea, because this is actually called Empress 1908. That's the uh, year that the Empress Hotel in British Columbia opened. And they're known kind of like the plaza for doing high noon tea. And, oh, I love uh, that. Mm -hmm. So it's super nice and fancy. And the bartenders there started playing around with other gins and other uh, products from the Victoria Distillery. And they were like, wait, let's figure out a gin that can um, in, like include the teas within, um, with like in the botanicals that the teas that they use there. And one of them is called Blue Suede Chews that has the butterfly pea blossoms. I know. And, um, so then that's why that became one of the botanicals. And so the whole color, which is, as I said, 100% natural, wasn't intentional originally. It was to use teas from the distillery or from the hotel rather, and then put into the gin. And it just ended up becoming really fun. And what's also really cool is that the color of it, it changes when you add anything acidic to it, it reacts. So when you're making cool. cocktails like we are today with lemon or making just a classic gin and tonic, it'll change from bluish purple to pinkish purple. So it has performance quality to it. So when I saw this about a month before my wedding, when it came to the States, I was at their um, launch in the US and I was just mind blown. I was like, okay, I'm already affiliated with whiskeys and all these other spirits. I don't have a gin in my own like personal portfolio that I've no, I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I seen this one like my whole wedding was purple. My favorite color. Yes, I my know that. Natural. It has performed quality to it. I was just like, this is me in a spirit. And then I'm very, very lucky that I've been working with them. I said I want to like create cocktails with this. I want to in-store tastings, whatever I can do to be a part of this brand. And now two and a half years later, New York brand ambassador. So yes. So um, yeah, we're going to be using this. We're going to be using some lemon, which I want to start with the lemon first, mainly because we're using it for two reasons. I wanted to be able to use it as our garnish as well as the juice and get full part of it. So what I want you guys to do carefully is cut about a like a quarter of one half. So like just cut you know, around here, because we're going to be cutting two wheels after that, that we're going to use as garnish, and then the rest will juice. So like a quarter of one half is like here. Exactly. Yeah, go. Okay. For it. I definitely Cheers. did mine wrong, but I have this is some pretty lemon. lemon. Love it. So you should have your lemon like that. And you're and like, okay, shut up. Cut your mouth and make the drink, right? <laughs> So we're going to cut two wheels. So if you do it, it should look like this. Have it thick enough that it can sit on the rim of the glass and it's not going to Excuse me? What? Excuse me? You heard me. Make it <laughs> So it can sit on the rim of the glass. Okay, good. Yeah. All right. Make so one, one wheel. It's fine. I know. It's not just for over 20 And then what I want you to do with the two uh, lemons is... From the center of it down, make a little slit so that it'll sit on the, like, just right there. Make a slit on both so it can sit on the rim of the glass. Cool. I'm going to put those aside for now, but we have that. Okay. Now, juicer. I'm going to be squeezing. Wait, I might have a juicer. I mean, if you have one of these, if not, <laughs> wash your hands, because COVID. And, yeah. Um, so, in this you'll get anywhere from about, and when you're doing a normal half, it'll be about three quarters of an ounce. With this, we'll probably be a little bit closer to an ounce. I like things a little bit more tart, so I'm okay if it's a little bit more, but if you want it a little more on the sweet side, I would say don't squeeze as hard, so you're getting more closer to three quarter ounces. And you can and, uh, put in, in. first. 
and I'm going to put it directly into my tin. Tin, shaker. Nailed it with the plastic. Just squeeze it right in. Here, I'll put this actually here so you can see it. Okay. My hands are all washed, don't worry. Oh, yeah. I thought my grandma, I'm at my grandma's, as I said before, because she just survived COVID in his home after a month long stay in the hospital. So I'm, yeah, I'm, so I'm taking care of her. And I thought she had a, a juicer, but I guess she doesn't. Is she getting she definitely this deserves cocktail? It, but she's she also on it. a cocktail of medicine. <laughs> so she's going fine. So I have no idea what she can drink or. <laughs> One just One and taste. spit it, just it and spit, spit it out. Exactly. It's like wine. Yeah, literally. Yeah, it tastes like so wine. Then, just um, one, Mikey, you, you good now? Yeah, I'm good. I'm just squeezing what I, what I can out. You got it. That's more than enough. That's good. That's oh, okay. okay. So after that, we're going to be adding honey. I made you guys honey syrup. That. Honey syrup or simple syrups, it's taking or agave when you're making margaritas. Because they're normally so thick, you actually just dilute it by taking one and one of the sweetener and water and boiling them together till they dissolve. So that's what this is with honey. So one to one of honey and water. And we're gonna put, if you have about an ounce, we're gonna do three quarter ounces. So you have a jigger, Mikey? No. Okay. Do you have a shock? Do I have a shock? Oh. <laughs> it smells. Wait, so how, how much is a shot glass? Like, if I was to do like a cup of a cup. I'm trying. I don't. Uh, I, I used to know the transition of like yeah. 1.5 ounces or something, which is like a, a well, little less than a quarter cup. Because a cup is. What if I did, I have this two tablespoon spoon. Here, you know what? What'd you say? I'm going to find a tablespoon thing. Oh my God, this smells unbelievable. That's not so good. Here, wait, I, Mike, I, I, I got it. I, I have bar tools. I can't find cooking tools. Oh, no, it's okay. Yeah, it looks like it's two, two tablespoons will be perfect. And it's like this. Just this is two tablespoons. Perfect. So that's going to be three quarter. Um, Tracy, after, I think you measured mine out anyway perfectly. So. Oh, well, you're welcome. Uh, um, one thing I want to show, though, before uh, we get to, um, like, putting Empress in, I just want to show how it changes color since it's in the tin. Uh, you can see here that this is just Empress on its own. I'll actually crack open some tonic because there we go. So, so you can see the natural color, how it changes. All right, you ready? It's pretty cool. That is such a pretty cool. And then. That's Whoa. Cool. Magic. So I just want to show that because as I said in the tin, you're not going to get to see that. Uh, well, you can see it on my plastic little. Oh, yeah, yeah. We actually were we were gifted a bottle at the theater once of Empress. Oh, it turns pink, and so they were like, "You guys should make cocktails." It was uh, from a, a fan who dropped off a bottle for Erica, and was like, "You guys should make cocktails with this." And so we did like a cocktail night at Mean Girls with Empress because it turns pink. I oh my god, that's so that. cute. That's, what, that's how I got this. Land actually was that was my first experience with it. Oh my god, that's so funny! When it comes back, we'll do like a whole. Yeah, we're now yeah. back. Oh, yeah. Please, uh, that would be a good thing. So what we're making actually before we add on the other uh, sparkling element to it, we're making pretty much a classic bee's knees gin cocktail, which is three quarter or yeah, three quarters honey, three quarter lemon, and then one and a half of empress. Or, sorry, in the bee's knees, it's normally two. So two ounces of Empress, but because we're adding another alcohol element to it, we're just going to add an ounce and a half. Okay. So, ounce and a half. So, Mikey, you should do six of those tablespoons. Six? Oh, so six. So it's going to be three of these. Yeah. Wait, how many did you do first? This is two, two tablespoons. tablespoons. So three, yes. Unless, you know, 
you want to have even more fun, I'm just going to. You know that video of what's her face, Sarah, um, of uh, of semi homemade. Uh, what's her What's her face? She does semi homemade on the, on the Sandra D. Sandra D. Right? And, and, and we just need a splash of vodka, and she. Oh, yeah. It's so good. Like, that's my kind of woman. I love her because she knows exactly what she's doing. She's like, "This is it, guys. This is the brand." She knows what she wants. She knows. And I got a little nervous because I was like, she seems she might be like conservative or something, but she's actually like a raging Democrat, which I love. Um, next, Jeff, are we ready? Yeah. yeah. Some ice. Cause let's uh, put it in our wine glass. So it's ready okay. to pour on top. Okay. So wine glass. I was going to say, what is there like a lot of ice? Is a little ice? We should do more ice. Then. Yeah. Because this is one that there's a good amount of alcohol in it because we'll have the gin, we'll have the sparkling rosé, and it's, it, this is like a spritz. Yeah. Which, uh, Mikey, the name, did, we didn't even say what we named it. Well, we were going to, we were like, we wanted to call it something Mean Girls themed, and it was going to be the Regina George. <laughs> it's gin. But... I know you know you know Karen as well as anyone uh, better than anyone else. So, is there anything that Karen experienced or uh, went through or is has in her persona that has to do with gin? Let me well, come back on. to you in a minute. I'm gonna think on it for a second. I will say the varnish I haven't fully stated yet, but is definitely influenced by her character. Okay, I'm obsessed. I was also thinking that Karen has a very strong butterfly affinity. So when we were talking about the butterfly pea shoots in it, I was like, that feels right. Like I love that. There's something there. But Karen's butterfly pea blossoms. Yeah. We love. Or Karen's butterfly spritz. Oh, Karen's yeah. It's actually really good. <laughs> I like that. Karen's butterfly spritz. I think, I think prior to this, Mikey had mentioned just calling it a mouse, duh, because if someone's going to order it at the bar, be like, um, can I get a mouse, duh? Can I get a mouse, duh? Yeah. 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 That's good. I just want a mouse, duh. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, great. It's going to be pink and bubbly, and that's exactly right. We could just do like, I'm I a mouse. I think it's called uh, a mouse, duh. <laughs> I think yeah. that's what it is. All right. All right. We're, we're, so, all right. Now what's we're going to add a couple of ice cubes. Now, you don't have to add many. I'm probably going to add about three because we're putting it on ice. So, you don't want to overly dilute it. But with cocktails that have fresh in it, like we have, you definitely want to shake it up. And the reason for that is because you want to break up the pulp so that it blends in nicer with the alcohol. The reasons that you stir a cocktail, like when you see a Manhattan or an old fashioned, you can stir it. You shouldn't shake those because they don't have anything that you need to break up. You want it to just marry together. So you stir. I put the ice cubes in here, right? Yes, you're putting in your shaker. Yeah, just like three. Okay. Um, but when you have fresh citrus, so in cocktails like uh, with lemon, with lime, any of those classics like margaritas, gimlets, all those, you want to shake those because you want to break up the citrus. Did, did anyone see that ice cube go right into yeah. the sink? <laughs> yeah. Just like no comment, just like right yeah. over his shoulder. Uh, so another hyphenate uh, basketball player. Nailed it. Yay. Yes. We love Even that. Better. We love it. So we got we love cubes. That. Are you are you you got that? All right. Nailed. Nailed it. <laughs> All right. Put the top on. But not the champagne yet. No, you never want to shake carbonation. Ever. Never shake champagne. Remember where I learned how to drink? College. College. Right, but if you shake it, it, you don't even get to drink it because it will go everywhere. Mikey, have you ever put um, what's it called? Uh, what what are they called? The white uh, Mentos. Mentos into Coke. No, but oh, that's what happened. No, oh, so it goes oh, watch. Goes YouTube. There's plenty of them, but okay. make sure you're all secure and in. You're good and shake. Yeah. Oh, this is fun. Yeah. All right, that's all we need because, as I said, we're putting it on ice. But look at that. 
Look That's pretty. So now we're going to take our, well, I'm going to take a strainer. You guys have strainers on yours already. Yeah. Good. All right. Now we're going to add. Should I add more ice? Um, no, you're good because we're also going to add the champagne on top. Or the so pretty. So classic French 75, as I said, is normally just gin, lemon juice, and simple syrup top with regular uh, Prosecco or Cava or sparkle of some kind, sparkling wine. Because Mean Girls, I was like, we have to use rosé. So Michael, I'm very excited to watch you try and open this. Oh, honey. Well, wait, do I get to, can I add to yes, this? please. So, okay. So when you're opening champagne and mine is not, I left, mine was in my, just leave this be, but mine was in my storage fridge. So it's not super chilled. Oh, it's like a storage. I have a wine fridge. I was like, yeah. I was like, this is going to go badly. But so what you want to do is you want to keep your hand on top of the cage and untwist the little wire twisty thing on the side. Uh-huh. So it's loose. And then you take the cage off and you put your thumb on top of the cork. And then what you actually want to do, so you don't twist the cork, you twist the bottle. So keep one hand, and I'm left-handed, so I hold the cork with my Me left too. hand. And then all you do, use your right hand to slowly twist the bottle away from the cork so the cork stays still. And then you can control how the cork comes out. And then you'll get less, like, fountaining of It's not fountaining at all. Yeah. That's a good thing. That's what we wanted That's to amazing. do. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, you did it. And now from there, we're just going to top it off. I'm going to probably about three ounces or so. Be careful of the bubbles. This is so pretty. So pretty. The color is beautiful. No, you're so pretty. Aw. All right. So we have our drink. I'm going to give it a little stir just because I want to get all the bubbles in. If you have a straw, chopstick. I'm not a um, and then back to our I love grandma's house cocktails. This is fun. <laughs> know, me too. Let's see what yeah, we can get. Parts, my finger, whatever. Um, now for Karen theme. Oh, I know what we're doing. Oh. Wait, this is cute. That's so cute. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Wait, I'm excited to taste this though. I think I'm gonna grab a straw. I have a that is oh, that is so I'm good. So good. Oh, yeah, wait. Where are my glasses? Tracy, that's so good. I got you, boo. Yeah, so that's a uh, oh no, duh. Funny story. I was actually Gretchen Wiener's Halloween in college. Really? Were you in the, the cat costume? No, um, I we did like the cover, like the movie one, with like the plaid skirt with, uh, what was it? I guess the V-neck. Uh, yeah, so the little V-neck and Black yeah. heels, and I had a box of toaster strudel with me. That's amazing. Yes. Yeah, that's amazing. It was really lovely early on before they, um, I think, realized that we didn't have toaster strudel in the musical. Um, they sent us a whole big shipment of toaster strudel at the theater, and we ate. A lot of toaster strudel. Me too. Wait, I, love I it. can finish this in two steps. It's really dangerous. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, she goes down. She goes down real simple. Guys. Yeah. Unfortunately, we have to wrap, but we did it. Bye. I know what I'm doing the rest of the night. <laughs> Spends my husband's over there going, "Where's mine?" <laughs> so and I'm gonna make another one. But it's like so, I have it's just so enough of that honey syrup to do another one, so I'm gonna make him more. Perfect. Um, you're both amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I don't, where can we find you on socials? Um, I'm at Tracy, T-R-A-C-E-Y underscore Eden, like Garden of Eden. Yep. That's me. And also, I have, oh, sorry. I don't mind. No, no, go, go, go. Um, also then, if you want to check out more cocktails with Empress, I've been doing a lot of, uh, easy cocktail tutorials of how to make classic drinks at home using it. Uh, and their channel is at Empress 1908 Gin. And they are amazing, amazing videos. Um, and Kate, where can we find you? Um, you can find me, I, um, I only have Instagram. I I got, I, I can't do the other ones, but because they're just full of angry political rants. I think but, I'm gonna delete um, my uh, Twitter. I can't. Oh, I, I, I deleted that one too. 
the, the president ruined that for me. I couldn't do Twitter anymore no, after him. No. But so I do Instagram. I'm at um, at Kate Rockwell NYC. But I also have another Instagram. It's called it's at Broadway Wino. Oh. Um, so follow me there. I just post mostly pictures of me drinking. But I am eventually going to get to a place where we can do like Q and A's, and I can do um, like if you ever are at a, a restaurant or a wine shop or whatever, and you want help, message me, and I can help pick stuff out because that's something I love. Yeah, we probably it's, have so many so. mutual friends between <laughs> and about like the, the hospitality world we'll, we'll figure out who we both know but oh and for I sure know, right? obviously you know jason gote i went to middle school and high school with him i love that boy yeah i love him he is such a sweetheart and like blowing like crazy right now he's i mean you know pre pre-covid blowing up everywhere yeah. Uh, sure gossip, girl, yeah. gossip girl yeah um we'll chat yeah. offline <laughs> i lo- no i love yeah. it I love you guys. Thank you so much. As thank you for Thanks, thank you for watching. Thanks for following Dear Multi Hyphenate and and all that jazz and and cheers, guys. Yeah. This is great. Yay! This podcast is produced by the Broadway Podcast Network. Make sure to find me online via Instagram at the Michael Kushner or at the Dressing Room Project or on Twitter at m Kushner Photo and visit me online via bpn.fm forward slash Dear Multi Hyphenate. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.